Welcome to Student Talk, an official podcast from the Australasian College of Paramedicine. Each episode, we discuss hot topics, ideas and tips for paramedic students just like you, hustling to enter the dynamic world of -of out-of-hospital medicine. And now, here is your host for the day. Please enjoy. Hello, everyone. I'm Sherlyn, and with me today is the one and only Tammy Bullard. Hi there, Sherilyn. Thank you. That's a really big introduction. Thank you very much for having me here. Uh, Tammy, it's such a delight to have you here with us today. I'm really excited because actually we've been wanting to do a collaboration for some time and, you know, you were busy and I was busy, but the stars finally aligned in 2021. Happy New Year. How was your break? Happy New Year to you. Yeah, great. Thank you. And I'm just heading into annual leave. So that makes the whole thing even better. Oh, well-deserved, I'm sure. So for those of you who don't know, Tammy, she's a very busy lady because she's a registered paramedic based in Western Australia. She's a lecturer and educator and also the author of The Good, The Bad and The Ugly Paramedic book series. Um, It is a title that I recommend people look into. It's all about the do's and don'ts of being a professional paramedic. On top of that, um, Tammy, I see you also have worked as a clinical educator. So I'm sure you have a wealth of information to share about what it takes to succeed as an early career paramedic. Would you like to tell me a little bit more about yourself and your inspiration for your book series? So my background is um, starting as a career paramedic, obviously was starting right back as a volunteer and then career paramedic and then becoming a preceptor, mentor, and going into uh, clinical education. So through a different, few different universities, I've coordinated, lectured, and delivered content for student paramedics, as well as experienced paramedics um, at postgrad level and doing a conversion degree. So throughout all of that time, I have wanted to put together a conglomeration, if you like, of tips and tricks for new paramedics. And several years ago, probably four or five years ago, I started making a list to hand out to new people so that it made their transition into the real world of ambulance life slightly easier and also for their colleagues as well so that they were more on top of the the, the tiny etiquette things that needed to be done. Having combined that list and spoken to several different paramedics and other educators about it, it seemed like a sensible progression to make it into a book because there was no book about paramedic behaviour, attitude, approach to professionalism, etc. And that's where the book came from. Oh, wow, Tammy, you've really been part of this landscape for a long time and, and you've sort of seen, um, you know, worked on every level from novice right through to postgraduate. So, and also you've seen that, um, I guess, transition from paramedicine being a, a vocation into an actual profession and all the um, public expectations that come along with that. So what a great idea for a book. And, you know, so many of my peers say, oh, if only, you know, I had known about this before my first placement. So it's re- really, really fantastic. I tell you, Tammy, I'm so glad to be leaving behind 2020, as I'm sure are a lot of other student paramedics. I'm really wanting to make the most out of my training in 2021. So I was hoping that you could share with us some of that insight. What do you reckon are your top New Year's resolutions for 2021? And how can I make this year a success? 
Okay, so luckily I had a little bit of time to prepare for this because sometimes I write for experienced paramedics, sometimes for student paramedics and everything in between in different countries. So I've tailored this to try and suit uh, student paramedics more than anyone else. And my top five tips for the upcoming year would be first, first and foremost, no matter where you are, just be yourself. The work-based moral compass has to match our personal, otherwise it's really easy to risk losing our way in all aspects of life if we're not matching up the way we want to behave or be seen or perceived in our personal lives as we do in our professional life. As new paramedics, it's easy to be blinded by bigger personalities, those with convincing confidence, but do their actions always back them up? Something important to look for. Don't let the personal or peer pressure to conform to any particular paramedic persona force you to change who you actually are at the core. Look around at others that impress you, but ask yourself, what is it about them that you actually admire? What are the specifics? And then take an even closer look at the more quiet contenders in the ambulance arena for qualities that you perhaps really should crave. They often don't stand out or, or they're not as obvious as some of the bigger personalities. They quite often carry some really great qualities that are excellent for new paramedics in their career. Every time you do see something that you'd like to embrace, ask yourself if it's with patience or with pride or ego in mind. If you see things that you like and you'd like to add that to your personality when you're being yourself, why are you doing it and is it actually going to be important for your role or is it just going to make you feel good for instant gratification and then purposely pick those role models that shape your paramedic practice whenever you're unsure you want to be yourself but you see things that you like just picture that behavior when that person is tending to loved ones of your own and then it's easy for you to bring things back down to what suits your personal ethics and your own moral compass Tammy, I, I love this as the first New Year's resolution. Um, you know, it's, it's just such a grounding message. Um, and I suppose most of us come into ambulance sort of expecting the lights and sirens, but there is something to, to be said about having a, just a bit of quiet dignity and, you know, just that being that, um, yeah, sense of calm and, yeah, quiet grounding calmness in the room. Um, can I also just add that being yourself should probably also mean owning up to both your strengths and your weaknesses. I actually remember before my first ever clinical placement, I was sitting in my lecturer's office in a panic because I was so sure that I would make a fool of myself on clinical placement. And I just felt like this enormous pressure, profession, sorry, I felt this enormous pressure to perform, to be really knowledgeable and to be perfect. But luckily my lecturer reassured me that it was okay to say, I don't know. And I guess it's like what you said, having this sort of top gun sort of personality really doesn't impress anyone and people can see right through it. That's really good. That's such a nice story from you. It's so so good to highlight that we all have those moments where sometimes it's just too much and the doubt in ourselves threatens to overcome everything. That's lovely that you had such a good lecturer who was able to sit down and help you get back to earth. Mm. Yes, I, I'm supported by very, very good um, paramedic staff. I won't say which uni I'm with. <laughs> what, what else have you got? Okay, so the second tip for 2021 would be to be thorough. This is a really difficult one 
when there are so many aspects of a job to try and nail in the first couple of years so that you feel like you're really good at it. But being thorough in everything that you learn academically or in person for the rest of this year, just be sure to truly understand it before moving on. But things like knowing medications in their most basic form, it may take the boxes in a test, but do they actually feel safe in your hands? Do you have a really thorough understanding of what you're actually administering and why? Practicing skills to ace an assessment, it's all well and good, but only if you know for whom, why and when to use it. Also, when not to use it as well is just as important. So thoroughly understanding the background behind every action or inaction that you use at work. Also, regurgitating pathophysiology, it may produce a perfect paper, but can you put it into practice when treatment decisions need to be made? So it doesn't matter how good we are at our pathophys and our anatomy and our understanding of things, if we can't correlate that to the real patient in real time and be able to deliver the treatment they need. Also, one set of CPGs, it may give some guidance, but it's never enough knowledge to fall back on when you're really under pressure. They're designed to just be a basic guideline. That's why they're called clinical practice guidelines. They're not protocols either that we have to follow to the letter. So it's a guideline to point you in the direction and then how well you deliver that treatment is up to you. Also, knowing when to intervene is one thing, but as I said earlier, learning and understanding when not to is a whole different ballgame. Whether CPGs or medication guides, doesn't matter if something says that this looks like the time to deliver it, it's always really important to be thorough enough in your learning so that you understand when to hold back and when not to deliver something. Time is limited in delivering training and education, so really it's up to the individual student to make sure that their own foundation grows strong and fill in all the gaps. Lifelong learning throughout your career also is the only way to keep patients safe and your reputation and role as a paramedic intact. So set yourself goals to fill in the gaps as you go and then the safety net strengthens you and you're confident in making and justifying educated decisions along the way. I couldn't agree more with this, Tammy. Um, and what you say about the guidelines being guidelines, not protocols, that's something that I've actually been, you know, trying to um, preach at my uni um, for a while because, you know, with your peers, it's always so easy to just say, well, the guidelines say this. So, you know, that's, that's what I believe in. And, you know, it's a bit of a worry because you can't just regurgitate, regurgitate the guidelines without any knowledge of the clinical rationale. And I mean, you're a practicing paramedic. How often do you encounter a complex patient that doesn't actually fall perfectly within the criteria for a guideline? Exactly. All, all of the time, you know, you may turn up to somebody that straight away you recognize they're having a STEMI, but then you realize they're actually having a CVA at the same time. So if we were going to stick to a guideline, which one would we pick? It often happens. And there's a term that's often used called cookbook paramedics. And that's the person that feels more comfortable working strictly to the guideline, but is not able to deviate from the recipe and fine tune it to suit the person that's going to eat the recipe at the end of the day, i.e. the patient. Oh, God, that's a, that's a worry. You know, I'm, I, you got to be able to have make that clinical judgment um, and I guess it just highlights it's so important to go that extra mile and deepen your knowledge I mean if all a paramedic had to do was memorize guidelines what would be the point of us completing this three-year degree you could do that in four weeks and I guess that's why you know we have had this change from you know learning on road to learning in university 
great point. Yeah, that's such a good point. Fantastic. Okay, this next one is one that I'm personally very bad at. So I'll let you take it away, Tammy. Okay, so most of my writing is around reflection. So I cannot encourage strongly enough for every student to spend the rest of the year getting good at being reflective. So understanding reflective practice in academia is not designed to drive you to distraction, but it may not have been explained well in the first place. So it might be the first thing that you're desperate to ditch once you qualify. So not only is it vital in overviewing your actions, but it's actually now a compulsory component in registered paramedic roles. And that's something that lots of paramedics in Australia at the moment are finding difficult to get used to because it's only in the last couple of years that it's become a compulsory part of the job. So for students who are graduating, they're already or should already be in a reflective habit, easier to, for, to continue that than try and start it all over again. So get comfortable with it and make space for its presence as a long-term friend for the future because it's going to be the thing that keeps you on track but also helps you out if you end up audited or questioned on anything later on. So pick options that work for you in whichever formats you prefer. You know, we nowadays, we're so lucky. There are so many mediums for us to follow. Articles, podcasts, videos, textbooks. We've got reflective groups, registered training courses, static skills, schedules, everything else that exists. But the key is in writing it down and reflecting on what you've chosen, why you've chosen it, what you've got out of the experience, what you're going to do with the knowledge that you've gained and how you intend to apply it to your paramedic practice. When it comes to registration renewal, it's no different than patient care records. No matter how much effort you put in in reflecting or in reflective practice, if you don't document it, it didn't happen. There's, um, with the Australasian College of Paramedicine, there's also a one hour webinar that I did last year that's called taking the pain out of reflective practice and this is a really good quick guide to helping you get set up and some alternative ways of learning to reflect so that it suits your social needs it suits your learning style and um, so that's always worth checking out for members too or for non-members um, and you can pay a nominal fee to watch it but being reflective now and making it something that you actually enjoy and you actually benefit from is going to make your entire career so much easier for the future. Oh, thank you. Good tip, Tammy. Actually, I might just uh, make a little ACP plug here because the ACP is part of your membership. When you join up, you get um, access to their online learning portal. And part of that, they have like a, a, a really easy to follow template for you to journal your reflective practice at the end of every like online webinar you do. So they make it very easy. Um, they call it their online CPD tracker. So check that out if you're not a member, although if you're listening to this, you probably are a member. Um, these are all really good points. And yes, I personally don't like to do reflective practice, but I know it's something I really should. Um, it really is the key to continuous improvement. And also it's a requisite of your registration for every APRA registered health profession. Um, you mentioned something about writing it down. Do you think it's really necessary to formalize it by putting pen to paper? You know, because a lot of us are just very tired at the end of a long working week. So I, I agree, there are certain situations, you know, I might reflect on a job that I've done or talk about it with a colleague or someone else and not necessarily write that down. But if we don't write it down, then we come to a point 
through the year where we have to write down what we are actually working on. If we can be in a routine of scribbling it in a notebook, then once a month or so, we can schedule a time where we sit down with our ACP tracker or whichever method we're using for tracking. And we can actually document from that scribbled bullet point list of what came up, why it came up, what we talked about, what we researched, and actually reflect from there. So it takes the bulk of the work out of actually reflecting. And I just released a book a couple of months ago called, um, Refle I can't remember, there's so many, I'm so sorry, Reflective Rhymes for Patient Care. And the idea is there's 52 different rhymes in there so that each one makes you reflect on your practice. It's for all healthcare professionals. But on the left-hand side, I just included a bunch of lines to scribble on because I'm, I'm now using that, keeping it in my pocket at work. And it's a tiny pocketbook, so I can just scribble down anything that I talk about and research on the job, scribble it down. And then at the end of each week or the end of each month, I can add them up and add them to my tracker. And it's amazing just how quickly those small conversations build up. Oh, wow. I guess, I, I guess, you know, you make a hard sell. I guess I'll just have to make a more concerted effort to be a little bit more disciplined and about my reflective practice in 2021. Um, what's your next tip? So the next one is be humble. Uh, paramedics, obviously, there are literally millions of us now around the world in different categories, different services, delivering different ranges of skills. Being humble is so important in any public-based role. So no matter how easy or exhausting your journey to becoming a paramedic might have been, you are actually one amongst millions all over the world. Each of us is bringing something different to the pre-hospital party because each of us have values that might not be visible on the surface. The only way to demonstrate the benefit we can bring is to diligently do what, make, do what it takes to actually make a difference. So the general public at the moment love paramedics, love healthcare workers, and I've just written some things for the states for the rest of this year to try and hold on to that positive public perception that we're all luxuriating, luxuriatingly bathing in at the moment. But the few things that we need to remember are how we are perceived by our peers, by our patients, and by as a profession as a whole, and our humility in it. So basically, if we have to tell everyone how clever we are, then we're perhaps not too clever at all. We want it to speak for itself. If we have to belittle others to bring ourselves up, then we're probably going to put ourselves down in the estimations of our peers. And if we have to use takeover tactics just to showcase our skills and how much we know on scene, we're probably going to earn a reputation as a standover to stay away from. So going about our business quietly, as you said earlier, quietly, confidently and competently, it's always going to make a much more positive impression. You want to be seen in a really positive light. Doing that quietly, letting people see for themselves will often have a much bigger impact. It may take longer for anyone to notice, but the old saying says it all, actions speak louder than words. So in 2021, let your actions speak volumes so you don't have to. You know, I really like this one and um, I agree. What's the point in gloating? I have a saying which I like to um, share with my friends, which is you don't have to be the best. You just have to try your best. And while you might be the top of your class today, that doesn't mean you're going to stay there. 
it's good to celebrate our achievements, but at the same time, it's silly to think that there's any kind of pecking order that you fall into. And personally, I think if you are one of those lucky people who are very intelligent and very high achieving, um, it's important to help out your other classmates if you're in a position to. I'm actually a lot older than most of my other peers. So I always have to remind myself that they're probably gonna be my paramedic someday and I would like them to know what they're doing. Is that what you do when you're teaching students? Yeah, absolutely. I teach students that. I write about that. At the end of the day, everything that we deliver now is going to come back to us tenfold in the future. And one of the points in the book is the paramedic precepting. And that's to try and boil the numbers down. I just worked out roughly based on different world services. And it takes around 18 years for one thing that we teach 10 paramedics this year it only takes 18 years for that one thing to filter through to 1 million paramedics so that knock-on effect in our own old age is enormous wow wow how did they work that out that's amazing yeah i just i mean i had to guess the numbers based on some research and based on how different services precept but on an estimation of one paramedic precepting 10 students every year and then each of those students precept 10 in a three or four years time, it can spread to 1 million paramedics in 18 years. It's enormous, isn't it? Oh my gosh, that's inspired. Okay, all right. So here we are, final resolution number five. Okay, so the final tip that I have for 2021 for student paramedics is be prepared. You've probably heard this a million times already, but thinking about the bigger picture, not only do you have to be prepared for long shifts, and challenging circumstances and all the logistical aspects of paramedicine, being mentally prepared to stay one step ahead probably extends much further than you'd imagine both in and out of your patient care. With every decision made on scene, start forming a habit of planning the next step before the need arises. So the stress involved in all difficult decisions has already been dealt with. For example, in every intervention, figure out your next step in case it doesn't work. For every medication that you administer, create a course of action in your mind in case it has no effect or even worse if its effects are adverse. For every threshold you cross, examine your escape route so the choice to leave is always easy and you already have it planned in the back of your mind. After every call attended, document decisions with legal proceedings in mind so your care records are complete and as clear as can be without having to worry about it later. Also long days and even longer nights are part of the picture and enforced overtime hours and shift extension are usually unavoidable. So start preparing your meals right from your first shift in the ambulance. Pre prepare your meals, your drinks, how you're going to sleep and how your social schedule is going to work. But keep the worst case scenario in mind as if you get a shift extension every time you go to work. Also ramping, wait time, wall time or whatever you want to call it, wherever you work. That's a real thing nowadays. So plan how you're going to manage yourself your patient and your public perception during long hours of standing in full view of CCTV and all manner of spectators too. Mental health issues may be far from your radar right now so make a proactive plan to keep things this way for the first next few years of your career. Research the resources, find a trusted tribe, follow some positive platforms on social media and take steps to, steps to secure a really solid stance on keeping yourself safe and sound right now. The list goes on and on, but the idea is simple. The more thought you put into forming really good habits now with purpose and intent, 
that are easy to replicate for decades ahead, the more control you're going to have over the long-term outcome of your career. Excellent, Tammy. And, you know, it's, it's so true. It's so important to be prepared in all aspects of our life um, to ensure that we're well-rounded and healthy practitioners. And that example you gave of meal prepping is an excellent example of the virtue of preparedness. You know, I certainly can feel the difference when I've, you know, brought my own boxed salad lunch to work one day or, you know, another day when I've forgotten and I've had to go to get some like hot chips from the cafeteria. It really makes <laughs> my after the afternoon part of my shift a lot longer if I haven't brought in my own meal. Um, and I guess when life and work can be so unpredictable, we should really try to prepare for as many contingencies as we can, but at the same time without being too obsessive and rigid. For me personally, I probably fall more into the um, obsessive end of the spectrum because that's just my personality type. Um, I suppose that's probably something to work on as well. So what do you have to say to students about, you know, being prepared, um, being conscientious, but also allowing some room to be flexible? Yeah, I think the one way to look at it is I, I used to want to have everything really organised and really prepared, but I learned quite quickly that that's not really possible in our jobs. I think picking your battles, picking the things that are really important so when we talk about being prepared for ramping, that's something that's new for most paramedics and they're trying to get used to that. For newer people, you can prepare for ramping. How is that going to look? How are you going to behave? You can pick the main aspects of that, but then be willing to wing it for the rest of the time. And I think the idea of being prepared and proactive, for me, when I'm teaching it, I try and explain that I'm probably inherently lazy I can't be bothered cleaning up mistakes or messes or problems after the fact. So I'll do everything that I can to try and prevent them in the first place so that I can avoid the hassle that it's gonna bring later. So I think picking the things that you know that you're going to run into, find a way to prepare for them so that you've already got a plan in place. And then that leaves plenty of wriggle room for the rest of the time. So hopefully that way it can suit both personality types at the end of the day. Mm, yes, no, excellent. I suppose. I suppose there's something to be said about knowing how to manage your priorities as well and knowing what your priorities are as well. Okay, Tammy, it was so wonderful having you on the show. And to my listeners, I highly encourage that you guys look up Tammy's website, gbuparamedic.com for more helpful tips like this. That's gbuparamedic.com. Tammy posts in her blog regularly about topics such as professionalism, patient care, and how to maintain a positive mindset in what is a very demanding job. And on her website, you can also order copies of her excellent book, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly Paramedic, which we mentioned at the start of the show. You really won't regret it. Do you have any final words of wisdom for our audience, Tammy? The only thing I really could say is, be kind to yourself. 2020 has been a difficult year for most people. 2021 is looking to be on a similar wavelength. So I'd say be as kind to yourself as everybody else expects you to be to others. Mm. True words were never spoken. Tammy, thank you so much for joining us. And also thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We want to know, what are your New Year's resolutions for 2021? Write to us on social media and you might get a shout out on our next episode. Thanks. See you next time. Thanks for listening. You can find more great content on our website, paramedics.com.
www.thepeopleshow.org. Got any feedback for the show or wanting more information? You can also find us by searching Student Paramedics Australasia on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and be sure to tune in for our next episode.